We have only one reading today, and it comes to us from the book of Genesis, the 18th chapter. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The word of the Lord. My sermon today begins not with an inspiring reference to scripture or a poignant quote from Martin Luther, but rather with an apt and befitting exchange between one Dave Panther and one pastor bearing a striking resemblance to myself, which took place not this Easter but last, the morning after said pastor's friend's band had performed at a certain tap room where she had insisted on staying until her friend had played The Devil Went Down to Georgia, and also where said pastor may have had a bit too much wine to be feeling particularly chipper that Easter morning, as she, okay, I, drove to church at 6.30 in the morning, I contemplated with dread the custom with which many Christians begin Easter morning, that is to say, when one Christian ambushes another unsuspecting Christian, grabs him by the shoulders, and announces always too loudly, he is risen, to which the other bears the obligation of returning with equal, if not increased zeal, he is risen indeed, as if we didn't already know that. I swear, I mumbled as I drove, if anyone grabs me and yells, he is risen in my face, I'm going to punch them in the gut. So I pulled into the parking lot, locked my car, and reluctantly approached Gloria Day, looking around so as to avoid ambush. I saw Dave Panther walking out the front door, wearing a floppy safety orange vest, and deciding to be preemptive in the Easter greeting strike. I fired off, hey Dave, he's risen. To which Dave replied, whatever. I got to go kick the Catholics out of the parking lot now. Which has remained and will remain until the day I die, my favorite Easter morning greeting. Friends, now is not the time to be offended by anything. Not this morning. Not to be offended by the notion of kicking Catholics out of our parking lot or my confession at having consumed a bit too much Bible juice the night before Easter. Now is not the time to feign piety or be smug or self-righteous. Now is the time, I believe, to let down defensive walls, to welcome honest belly laughter in all of its weirdness and in all of its beauty as we encounter it in the Bible, in life, in this crazy thing we call post-resurrection reality. But there is certainly much to laugh about and even laugh at, really, because sometimes when we are confronted by things we just can't grasp, when words fail, we laugh. Take Sarah, for example, in our only reading for today. By this time in her life, 
advanced in her years, Sarah must have been feeling fairly safe, shall we say. So she's postmenopausal. She is clearly and cleverly taking care of the need for her husband Abraham to have offspring by setting him up with her maid who bore a son named Ishmael. So Sarah was thinking by this stage in the game, she is off the hook. God's covenant with their people would be passed on through Ishmael. She herself was far too old to be inconvenienced by menstruation, pregnancy, childbirth, much less the demands of motherhood. She's good, or so she thought. The funny thing is, when God speaks God's word, things happen in ridiculous ways, at ridiculous times, to often ridiculous people. And so... Despite Sarah's clever attempt to circumvent the impossible demand that children should come from her barren womb, God repeats the promise that she, not her maid, would be the mother of many nations. God promises that very soon she would become pregnant by her husband Abraham. And Sarah laughs. Is she laughing with God or at God? At this seemingly ridiculous promise, we don't know. We only know that she laughs. While we're not exactly sure what struck her funny bone, we can make some pretty good guesses, I think. Maybe Sarah laughs bitterly and maybe even resentfully at the idea that God would open her womb now. In her old age, after a lifetime of trying to conceive, and a lifetime bearing the shame of being childless in a culture where a woman's worth was determined by the number of her children. Or maybe Sarah laughs ironically as she gazes across the room at her stooped and wrinkled Abraham, as she studies his familiar lips, that are supposed to freshly seduce her. Calling to mind an elderly friend of mine who once described her husband of 65 years as possessing lips that don't pucker no more. Or maybe Sarah laughs a purely joyful laugh, as expectant mothers often do, as she quiveringly anticipates baby's first kick baby's first cry, baby's first nuzzle at her breast. We don't know why Sarah laughs. Choose your theory. We only know that when the odds are stacked against her, in the face of infertility improbability, when God offers her finally this one thing she has longed for her whole life, And at the risk of humiliation again, should God fail her, Sarah laughs. Her emotions of fear and hope collide. Her tongue wavers between praise and disbelief and finally rests in silence. Despite her caution, her heart leaps and she laughs. Holy humor looks a lot like that to me. It's a laugh of incredulousness, a laugh of amazement, a laugh of disbelief, a skeptical laugh that somehow God's perfect grace breaks into our imperfect lives. I have laughed 
that holy laugh before, and I am certain you have as well. God's holy humor breaks into our world to give us joy in times that would otherwise crush us for the sheer weight of them. I encountered holy humor one time in my early days of being a parish pastor when I traveled to a nearby nursing home early on Christmas morning as my 80-something-year-old parishioner, Johnny Brait, lay dying. His family surrounded him singing Christmas carols, and I read to him the nativity of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. I traced the sign of the cross on his forehead, leaning in very close to him to whisper, Johnny, remember, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. And he opens his eyes and he grabs my face on either side with startling strength. And he pulls my face to his and he kisses me square on the mouth. And he says, I've been wanting to do that for a while now. (laughs) And moments later, he dies, dying as he lived, right? The eternal jokester, to the sound of his family howling in laughter, holy laughter, ascending to the heavens as a dear one dies, and a traumatized pastor stands nearby. I encountered holy humor when I laughed during the entire delivery of my last son, Philip, because I always felt like a hero when I delivered a baby, and also because I knew he would be the last baby that I would have, and also because of one doozy of an epidural. He was born and blinked his eyes and looked at me, and I knew that he was going to be trouble, (laughs) and that I would love him no matter what. And I did that bizarre and wonderful thing that new mothers sometimes do, where they sob and laugh all at the same time, as snot runs down your face and sweat pours down your back, and you just don't care. All you can do is pant and sweat and laugh and cry, all of it holy. I encountered holy humor one Christmas when the boys were little and I was exhausted with work and life and was turning the corner onto my block during a terribly windy snowstorm and saw the light-up Virgin Mary, which had stood with our manger scene on the parsonage lawn, laying face down in a snowbank, decidedly not lit up. And I laughed and said out loud, I feel you, sister. I encountered holy humor just last week in this place on Easter Sunday. As I busied myself at this altar with Holy Communion during first service, turning the worship book on the altar to the correct page and readying the bread and the wine for sacred consecration, when suddenly a vase full of yellow tulips popped into view right in front of the altar and I caught my breath and I lost my place and my brain vaulted back in time as I recalled my dear friend Paige, who loved Easter above all else, who died in 2008, whose favorite flower was yellow tulips, who ate Easter lunch with us for years when the boys crawled all over him and puked on his suits purchased on Park Avenue in Manhattan, and he pretended not to mind, but he did mind very much, but still remained my best friend and embodiment of all that was beautiful and kind in the world until he died from cancer. Last week, yellow tulips were a stunning visual reminder of the communion of saints. As one who 
now lives in Christ offer glimpses of hope to those of us who still walk on this side of heaven. And so if you attended early church last week, and if you felt an awkward pause before communion, my apologies. And if you heard a whispered, hi, Paige, it was me, stifling both tears and laughter in a surprising encounter of holy and beautiful Easter humor. You have your holy laughter, too, as God's kingdom breaks open on you and around you as you witness and experience things you cannot explain or begin to describe as your mind struggles to marry the bizarre and the beautiful, the ritual and the ridiculous, the incredible and the ordinary. God knows we need humor and laughter to move us through life. A man in a floppy orange safety vest Kicking Catholics out of our parking lot on Easter morning does not diminish the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as if anything we do or say can. In fact, it magnifies it as it reveals the human world into which Jesus entered as a human. It reveals the world that Jesus died for and rose for, a human Jesus who was familiar with holy human laughter. Don't think for a minute that Jesus was too pious to laugh at his dim-witted friends or to laugh a smug, self-satisfied laugh as he tripped up the Pharisees or to laugh with joy as little kids crawled all over him or to laugh with pleasure in feeding crowds and healing the sick. Don't think for a minute that God's immense laugh didn't echo throughout the exploding universe as God called creation into existence, as the sun first illuminated the skies, as volcanoes erupted and oceans swelled, surely God laughed with delight as the first creature crawled out of the primordial seas to give land legs a try. Surely God laughed when God made goats that jump and dolphins that play, and the platypus which has no discernible function other than to look ridiculous. Surely God laughed when ape turned human, when simple creatures evolved into complex beings who could talk and sing and dance and laugh and worship. Surely God laughs with delight when God beholds this tiny spinning sphere and all the laws of physics that hold it together. Surely God laughs with delight and joy and wonder when God beholds you. When you puzzle God with acts of tenderness and gentleness, when you forgive, when you embrace, when you sing and dance and work and play, surely God laughs with delight when our babies are born, when creation is cared for, when prejudices break down, when walls between people and countries crumble. Surely God laughs triumphantly when earthly powers are humbled, When the meek rise up victoriously, when the criminal is brought to justice and the one wrongly imprisoned is set free, surely God laughs in delight and wonder when God considers you and your short life on this tiny planet with all the skills and quirks and characteristics that make you you. Did it ever occur to you that God delights in you from the shape of your nose to the color of your eyes to your snore when you sleep? to your sexuality, to your singing in the shower, to your artistic creativity, 
your athletic ability or lack thereof, your intellect or lack thereof, your musical ability or lack thereof, when you climb a tree or cure cancer or balance the checkbook or hold a crying baby, did it ever occur to you that your deficiencies do not diminish God's love for you, nor do your abilities earn God's love for you, but that God adores you simply because you are you? Have you ever considered that you bring God joy, that you make God laugh? As Dr. Seuss says, and who better to quote on Holy Humor Sunday, today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Just as you laugh and wonder in amazement and incredulousness, even as you laugh and cry or laugh and shout or laugh and whisper, these moments of holy humor bring us closer to God, our creator, in whose sacred and beautiful and hilarious image we are all created. Amen.